Welcome to the Coppreneur Path Podcast. Welcome to the show that is all about the path from cop to coppreneur. I'm your host, Adam Wills. With this podcast, I am going to help equip you for your own post-law enforcement entrepreneurial journey with lessons learned from my experience growing a successful post-Leo business. You'll also get to hear from fellow coppreneurs and experts in business and marketing whose advice will give you an edge against the competition. You are in the right place. So let's get after it. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Copper Newer Path Podcast brought to you by leo2ceo.com. I'm your host, Adam Wills. And guys, I have been having a blast sharing all of these clips from the archives of the podcast with you. And in doing so, I allowed something to slip through the cracks and I totally missed it here a couple weeks ago. Two weeks ago, we broke 10,000 listeners to the show. So I want to thank you guys to start off here for following along, listening to the show, and of course, subscribing to the show and leaving a review so that other people can find the show as well. Guys, thanks for following along. I've got four more awesome episodes that I want to share some clips with you from today. And then we are going to dive back into some of our regular episodes for the show. And so at the end of the show, you got to stick around to the end. And I'm going to share with you some of the shows that we have in the pipeline with some really awesome guests and topics. So without further ado, let's go ahead and dive into our first clip of the show, which is going to be from episode 47. And it was titled, How Video Can Help Your Business Make More Meaningful Connections with Customers, where I interviewed my fellow story brand guide and friend, John Watasik. And on that episode, we talked about video. Now, guys, we all know that video is becoming more and more important. It's obvious. Just look everywhere around us. Everything is very video-centric today. Interestingly, a recent article in Forbes magazine actually said, and I quote, Video will soon become a necessity for marketing. Did you catch that, guys? A necessity. Not a good idea. Not a maybe you ought to do this. Not a you might do better if, right? A necessity. Okay, the problem is most of us, we really kind of struggle knowing exactly where to use video and how to do it. And so I want you to take a listen to John as I interview him here. And he gives us some common sense approaches to leveraging video in our marketing. There's, there's always this thing out that's thrown out there that your about page is the third most viewed page on your website, which mm. there are, there are studies out there that show that, that demonstrate that. But I think that often gets misconstrued by people and misunderstand that because when they hear that, they think, Oh, well, if my about page is the third most viewed page on my website, that means that r- people really just want to know about me. Well, the the reality is that's not the case, right? It's in and that's part of the story brand philosophy is that it's not about you. It's about it's about the customer, it's about the hero, right? And even yeah. your about page should be about them, right? Like you need yes. to 
you need to introduce who you are as a person in your company, but through the lens of why it matters to the hero. And I think the reason why your about page is the third most viewed page on your website is because people are so confused. Most of the time, <laughs> they're just desperately looking to try and figure out what are what is your business actually about? Because most people yeah. don't know how to write effective copy for a website. And they're so confused by the homepage that they're like, well, if I go to the about page, maybe I'll be able to figure out what this is actually about. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, but yeah. I think um, an about page video is a perfect place to be able to just demonstrate that empathy and authority piece as the guide and mm-hmm. also throw in there a case study, right. Be able to explain yes. in that video and say, Hey, uh, you know, I, I, there was this one time where I, I had this client and they were struggling with this thing and this is how we helped them. Right. I mean, that's what your about page should be about is how you actually help people. Yeah. And what that brings to mind for me too, is that part of the story brand framework, the philosophical problem, right. Is oftentimes yeah. kind of to use uh, Simon Sinek's language. It's uh, people don't buy what you do. They buy why you do it. So if the, yes. why you do it, relates to the hero and their problems, kind of that philosophical problem. It shouldn't be this way or you deserve whatever, right? That type of language, I think that's what you're saying is definitely resonating because if that's your opportunity on your about page to really frame the philosophical problem and why you do what you do the way you do it and so on. So I think that's a great, you know, synergy there with, with the story brand framework and also that just that about page philosophy. Yeah. Yeah. So we've talked now about our websites. Are there other places that you suggest leveraging video or are there places, I guess what I'm trying to get at is if I'm new to using video in my business, yeah, you know, there's, there's a lot of different places that you can use video. You know, there's YouTube and there's LinkedIn and there's Facebook and Instagram and there's recorded video and there's live video and there's DIY video and there's professional (laughs) video, right? Like, so there's, there's a lot of things that can feel overwhelming. Is there kind of a, a primary strategy that you suggest uh, people employ that gets them off and running without feeling overwhelmed? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I am a huge fan of simple simplicity, right? So I think a lot of times it it can seem so overwhelming because like you said, there's so many options and you're hearing, oh, you got to be on TikTok now and oh, you got to be on Facebook, Instagram. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So (laughs) there's so many options, but I think in a way it depends, right? Because if you're like uh, selling a product, people want to see things like how your product works. Uh, you know, how does it function? What are kind of the features and benefits? So that might be one angle you could go if you're kind of like e-commerce or something like that. Uh, really show people your product in action. But I would say in general, regardless of your brand, just think back through kind of your sales funnel. Um, one of the things we talk about is that nurture sequence. Just if you can show up in people's inbox, or a lot of times that what that translates to is their phone, right? The thing in their pocket that their emails get sent to, you become, you stay top of mind for them. So I think really that's to make it super simple. That's really all you're after. So if you found success on social media as a way to stay top of mind and that feels natural to you, like you're, you, it, it fits for your personality and, and things like that, I would say go for it. Just like John said, Find whatever way 
and on whatever platform you feel most comfortable using video and just go for it, guys. Just go for it. Give it a try. I know it feels awkward. I've been there too. And I still sometimes feel awkward when I get on video or I do a live. But you know what? The only way you become more comfortable with it is by doing it. And by doing it, you see the outcome of it. And it encourages you to do more. And you learn lessons to do it better the next time. All right. Now for our next clip. Our next episode I want to highlight, we're going to take a massive jump all the way from episode 47 that we just highlighted to episode 82. And I want to be clear here, guys, it's not because there was nothing that was worthwhile to highlight in between there. There was a ton of good episodes and great knowledge that was shared. It was so hard, guys, going through the roles of all these episodes and figuring out what to share and what not to share. And I also know that 82, as that big jump happens here, and then the the next few clips I'm going to share with you after that, we're getting into more recent episodes here. But there was some really good stuff here that I just couldn't help myself but um, sharing with you again. And even though it's recent, it, it just shows you guys how important I think these concepts and these principles are. And so episode 82 was titled Failing is the Secret to Scaling with Colin Mitchell from SalesCast. Now, guys, let me just tell you something here right off the bat. You cannot be risk averse in business. Now, I don't understand why this is a thing uh, in most cases for copreneurs, but it is. Most of you are very risk averse, and I haven't figured out why. I don't know because, I mean, it's not like we tend to be risk averse in our career choice, right? I mean, we're often putting ourselves at great risk and peril just to do our job and and to provide public safety and do a service for the community. But I guess we do we do step into that risk deliberately with intention and a plan. So I still, I don't, I don't understand why cop entrepreneurs are so risk averse in business. I don't know if it goes into our type A personality and our need to, uh, let's just be honest here, guys, uh, always be right. Um, I don't know, being risk risky in your business just feels like you're, you're risking being wrong. I, I, I haven't figured it out guys, but either way you have to take risk in business in order to succeed. And this is exactly what Colin is going to talk about in this clip right now. In sales, a lot of times you're gonna lose more than you win. Even the most elite sellers. And you should. Okay, the most elite sellers lose more than they win, right? If, If you think about it in baseball, like a great baseball player has a 300 batting average, meaning that, you know, they don't get a hit way more often than they actually get a hit, right? And so that you got to realize that part of those losses are wins. Yeah. So those losses are wins. And I'll tell you why. Okay. Because they're learning experiences, right? Mm -hmm. So if you're a new entrepreneur, or even if you're just testing a new market or testing a new customer profile, you got to look for those small wins. Okay. And, And how you can do that is be seeking feedback, right? The people who buy from you, you ask them for feedback, hey, Adam, why did you go with us? They're going to probably have a lot of good things to say. And that's great. But let's say, for example, me and Adam went down the path and Adam decided not to do business with us. And I went back to Adam and I say, hey, Adam, 
no pressure here, but I really would love your feedback. I'm just curious, you know, why you didn't end up going with us, why we didn't maybe earn your trust or earn your business. Um, and that feedback is super valuable because yeah. Adam might say, well, you were too pushy, pushy. You called to, you called me way too many times. Your pricing wasn't good. You know, I didn't really see value in solving this problem. So those things that you learn from those losses are going to build up your knowledge to get more wins. Yeah, that's a really good way of looking at it. And I think even that's something I will admit I don't follow up on enough is asking that sort of question from both closed and lost proposals, right? Um, yeah. But I'm curious uh, if you think there's some sort of like magic ratio, right? Because I was once told that uh, if you're not losing at least 20% of your proposals, then you're you're probably priced too low. So generally speaking, I try to keep track of that, you know, in my proposal software. And if I start, if I start winning more than 80% of my proposals, I increase my rates, uh, right. Until I kind of come back down to that, uh, losing 20%. Uh, do you, do you think that's an appropriate ratio? Because it sounded like you were just saying that we should actually be losing maybe more than half of those. Um, does that differ from industry to industry? It definitely differs. I mean, it differs on, you know, what your business is. It depends on who you're targeting, how complex the sell is, you know, what, what you're priced at. Like, is it, you know, is it a, you know, million dollar contract or is it, you know, a $60,000 a year contract? Like there's a lot of variables. I couldn't say that I have any right answer, right? It's, it's, it's definitely different for, for each individual. Um, you know, if you're winning 50% of the time, I think that's a pretty good ratio. Um, you know, and you'll know if you're winning more and people are buying just based on price, right? So that feedback that you get from the wins, I wouldn't say there's maybe, at least in my experience, not a particular number, but you know, Adam, if you go to those deals that you win and you say, Hey, why did you go with us? And if you just keep hearing, Oh, well, your price was great. Your price was great. You had the best price. And the thing is, is honestly, most people don't always go with the best price because they question the value. Yeah. Is this a discounted service? Right. Is, you know, people typically go in the middle or even with the higher option if it's packaged well, right? Or if the value is perceived in a different way. Um, so, you, you know, pricing, if people are just buying based on price, you don't want those clients because they will leave for price. Man, I absolutely loved that episode with Colin. And if you missed it, Colin actually came and did a workshop in the LEO to CEO community and everybody that attended thought it was phenomenal. So if you missed that because a, you're a member of the LEO to CEO community and you didn't show or, well, let's just start there. If you're a member of the LEO to CEO community and you didn't show, Hey man, you got to show up. Uh, you, you know, you come live and you get to participate in the Q and a session uh, but nonetheless, log into the LEO to CEO Academy and you will find the replay of that workshop that Colin Mitchell did for us. Um, if you're not a member of the LEO to CEO community, what are you waiting for? Go to LEO to CEO.com right now, sign up and you can join us in our next workshop. That episode made me think about a trip that I took recently. I went to Costa Rica a few weeks ago. Uh, for a conference. And there were some phenomenal, phenomenal speakers there. Among them was a guy named Jose Bolaños. He's a, uh, a, a leadership coach. And he shared with us that most of us avoid risk 
because we lack infinite purpose. You might be asking yourself, well, what do I mean by that? Or what did Jose mean by that? What is infinite purpose? Well, infinite purpose is a purpose that you fulfill every day and you will never finish fulfilling it. So what is a purpose that you, in every action you take every day, are looking to fulfill? And no matter what you do, because this is a legacy, you will never actually fulfill it. Here's the thing, guys. When you have infinite purpose, success and failure become equal because your failure becomes just another learning opportunity. After you find your infinite purpose, you can begin to plan your finite projects that further the pursuit of your infinite purpose. I want you guys just to think about that for a minute and let it set in. And with that, let's go on to our next episode. So our next episode comes from number 94, which is titled The Rule of 26, Three Steps to Doubling Website Revenue. And in this episode, I interview Mike Buzz Bazinski, who actually has become a really good friend of mine. He's a, a bald-headed, bearded uh, brother. And uh, interestingly enough, speaking of that trip to Costa Rica, we actually met in person for the first time at that conference. The funny thing was neither of us knew that the other one was going to the same conference. And so I got on the plane and I'm walking down the aisle to find my seat. And I see Buzz sitting there in his seat. We both locked eyes and instantly recognized each other. And we ended up hanging out pretty much the entire time we were in Costa Rica and had a blast together uh, and, and just found that we were even more well aligned than we thought we were when we did this interview for the Copper Newer Path podcast. So in this episode, we talk about the rule of 26. And really what this ties back to is the concept of what I call the field of dreams paradigm, where everybody launches their website and they think, man, uh, it's built. Uh, they're going to come, right? Uh, if you build it, they will come. They're just going to show up and they're going to check out my website and they're going to think it's awesome and they're going to take an action and they're going to buy stuff from me and they're going to you know, book an appointment. And usually it doesn't work that way. And then people become discouraged and they go, well, what's going on? Why aren't people just flocking to my brand new website? Well, in this episode, Austin and I interview Buzz about his rule of 26 theory. And the rule of 26 simply says this. If we want to double our website revenue, we need to track three key metrics. And that is our unique visitors to our website. So the traffic that we have coming there. That's number one. Number two, we track our conversion rate. So how many of those people that come to our website take the action that we want them to take? buying a thing or booking an appointment. And then the third metric that we track is the average revenue per customer. So how much money do we make on average per customer? And the rule of 26 states that if you can increase each of those three metrics by a mere 26%, you will double your revenue. And I challenge you guys to actually try out the math. I did, and I could not come up with a combination of numbers where this did not work. It absolutely works every time. So with that, let's dive into this episode and let's hear some more about the rule of 26 and its execution. Buzz, one of the things that I really loved about the book um, was that you preemptively answered some specific questions about ways to 
increase these these uh, key performance indicators that we talked about, these metrics. And uh, I tell you, when I picked up the book and I first started looking at it, I knew in my head, even though I, I had a good understanding of the answer to this, I knew that if I presented this, this idea to people, they're going to say, well, why don't I just double my traffic? Like if I just double traffic to my website, won't that just magically fix everything? And I loved that when I got to the end of the book, you had an FAQ section. And the very first one was, why can't I just double my traffic? So let's start there with that specific metric. Why doesn't doubling your traffic solve the problem of doubling revenue? Oh, it solves the problem, but it's a lot of effort, right? Why do 100% of the work when you only need to do 26% of the work, right? Or technically 78% of the work to get 100% of the, of the value, right? And if you look at the metrics, CRO, so the conversion rate optimization has nothing to do with anything that you're doing in your marketing, right? So it's something you can do without actually spending more money. ARCP is exactly the same, right? If you if you can find ways, and I and we show a bunch of ways to do that in the book, um, but if you can find ways to increase the value you bring to your clients, you can charge more, right? That costs you zero dollars, right? Right. And so, just saying, getting more traffic really doesn't do you much good because you're not leveraging the math behind the rule of twenty six. Right now, say you're in a play in an industry or you're you're providing a product that's commoditized and you can't raise nor can you add value. So say um, so for me, like I was just working with one of my chiropractor clients yesterday. There's only so much he can charge per visit and it's only so mm -hmm. long that most people need him. And there's only a certain amount of a certain percentage of those people who need him that will stay on for maintenance. So his average revenue per client is pretty stuck, okay? Now, on the other hand, he's got a weight loss clinic. Now, his weight loss clinic is kind of the same thing. Once you lost the weight, what do you need me for? But he found out that statistically, they come back in a year to two years to re-lose that weight again. I says, well, wait a second. What if we, and I said, well, how much do you charge him? He sort of charges him about 75% of the first time. So that's pretty profitable. But you have to now wait a year to two years to do that. What if we were charging enough for enough value to where they keep the weight off and they never have to yo-yo again. And he mm -hmm. just, he's been in the business for a long time and he's just mind blown. All of a sudden we just added $80,000 just from the clients he has like that, just by adding something as simple as that. So yes, you can be the bull and just go straight through and do a hundred percent. Right. But when you understand the value of attracting the right type of client, and the way to convert the right type and the most uh, profitable type of client, and you're charging what you're worth and what you're and what you produce and the value of that. Good lord, that is so much better than just using 100% more effort or money or time or energy. So, okay, final question here, and this you might have kind of hinted at it already. Should I just go through and rely on word of mouth to get my increases? Or is that a bad idea? And if it is, why is that a bad idea? So it's one of the reasons I wrote the book. So it's a really good question. As if you're a service-centric business, any type of business really, but I find that service-centric businesses focus on their word of mouth, referrals, and their networking. Problem is, the great thing about that is, is it's a great way to start growing. 
And it's a great growth met. It's a really good growth strategy when you're just getting started. And still today I network and I have a lot of word of mouth that always grows with you. But the, the, the word there is grow versus scale. Scaling creates an exponential growth curve versus growth is very, it can be very linear and it can take a lot of time and energy that as your business grows, you have less and less and less of. So when we talk about leveraging your time, energy, and money, word of mouth is not leveraging anything. It's, it's something that's organic and it has to grow. And some WOM trees grow very slowly and others grow really fast. But there's always a cap to that. And if you ever want to get past that cap, you better start working on this little tree called scale because that's where you'll be able to build your business into whatever you want it to be at any given time. It amazes me how like-minded you and I are because um, I get asked often because I actually say as part of the tagline for the Elio to CEO community that it's for uh, copperneurs that want to start, grow, or scale a business. And I get asked all the time, what's the difference? Why do you have grow and scale? They're the same thing. No, they're not. They're not the same thing at all. Uh, and if you looked at them on a, on a line chart, you would see the difference. Um, but there is, there is a significant difference there. Listen closely here, recruits. You cannot rely solely on referrals. Just like Buzz said, growth in our business can become linear. And what he means by that is that we can grow our business. We can be in the growth phase and we can be adding more people to our team and increasing our overhead and doing all these things, doing more stuff for more clients, but ultimately we don't make any more. And it creates a paradigm called entrepreneurial poverty. This is actually something that Buzz is really passionate about. And him and I spoke about a lot in our time getting to know each other uh, more closely recently. And he is going to be coming back on the podcast, uh, probably not soon enough, to talk about this concept of entrepreneurial poverty and how we can keep ourselves from falling into it. But before we move on to our next episode here, I want to I wanted to let you guys know about one more thing. Buzz and I are actually working on a sequel or a follow-up book to his Rule of 26 book that we will be co-authoring together. I'll have more information on that here in the coming months and I hope that you guys will pick it up and and take interest in it when it comes out. With that, let's move on to our next clip, which comes from episode 95 called The Power of Writing and Publishing a Direct Response Book with Mike Capuzzi. Now, here's the funny thing about this, guys. Um, speaking of coincidences, I interviewed Buzz, Michael Bozinski, and Mike Capuzzi on the same day. They were back-to-back interviews when I recorded those episodes. The funny thing was I recorded Mike Bozinski first. And then afterwards, I, I, I interviewed Mike Caputzi. And in the process of him outlining for uh, the show what a short, helpful book is, or as he calls it, a shook, I went, hmm, this seems really familiar. Uh, the Rule of 26 book was outlined this way. And he actually tells me off the air later after we're done recording that uh, – Michael Bozinski actually went through his program. And so it was a total coincidence that I would interview these two guys back to back. So 
you might be asking, well, what is a direct response book? Well, direct response, if you've never heard of this marketing concept before, was made popular by Dan Kennedy. And it's a type of marketing where the goal is to encourage an immediate response from consumers. And so what Mike Capuzzi outlines here is the concept of a short, helpful book under 140 pages that is intended to elicit a lead response from a potential customer. And it's really a unique concept that I love. And let's dive in and listen to what Mike has to say about it here. I told him, I said, you know, I, I rest very firmly in the concept that if you have something to offer that you know can help somebody solve a problem, you're doing them a disservice by not giving them the opportunity to actually pursue it. Yep. You know, people are afraid to promote, but uh, any we don't want to be tacky or salesy, but at the same time, if what you're presenting is, hey, I have this thing, this idea, this concept or this service or product that I know can solve your problem, then, you know, don't just leave it at that. Like, that's just like, you know, dropping it in front of them and walking away. Um, it's 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 almost it's unfair, right? Like yeah, you're doing is. them a disservice if you don't say, oh, and here's how you get it. Yeah. And, and you know, as we start segueing to talking about what a shook is. So the shook is my formula. It's, the, it's my trademark brand of a short, helpful book. One of the things that we do, Adam, in every Shook, whether it's my own or a client, uh, and I guess I could probably show, I don't know if everyone's going to be able to see it, but we, one of the first chapters is, okay, who should read the book? Um, I'm holding it up like people can see it. But um, So one of the first chapters is who should read this book? And I, I encourage my clients and my own and my, even myself to be very specific and let people know right from the outset, listen, if... If you're going to be squeamish, if you're going to be one of these purists that don't, you know, doesn't want to be, uh, you know, engaged and asked to do other things, then stop reading right now. But if you're truly interested in this topic and you want to learn more, then keep reading this book. So um, we sort do that pre-qualification, right if you will. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. Because I don't want anyone whining like, oh, you know, you're too. And we're not salesy, but it's definitely more. Um, it's different than a traditional purist type business book. We've talked a little bit already about what a shook is, a short, helpful book, but I want to know how did you arrive there in the first place with this concept of, uh, believing that a, well, shorter is better. And shorter can be better, right? So your point earlier, there's different pathways for different people. Maybe a traditional book is right for some people, but Adam, I've always been an avid reader. Uh, I've always enjoyed, I've got a huge library. You know, I'm always buying books, much to my wife's chagrin. And um, I've noticed as I've gotten older that the ability to, you know, to read a book cover to cover is, is like going down. Like, I don't know how many times I start a book with the best of intention and three chapters in, I'm like, oh my gosh, get to the point or, you know, you just yeah. lose interest. Yep. Um, and, it, and it's, it's happening much more frequently. I don't know if it's just me. I don't know if it's because the books are bloated, whatever. And I started thinking, why can't a book essentially be a one-hour conversation in print from me, the author, to you, the reader? And it's not meant to be the entire A to Z tome on what the topic is about. It's just meant to get the reader interested, start to know, like, and trust me, the author, uh, get them interested in my topic, and then again, offer additional pathways forward. So people love it. I mean, I'm, I don't know if I came up with the concept of a shorter book. There's been shorter books, you know, sure. for decades. Our formula, our recipe, I think is unique. What we do, the, diff the different chapters that we we essentially uh, include. But um, 
I mean, listen, I think everyone's attention span is, uh, you know, getting shorter. We're just bombarded with too much stuff. Even, you know, even these podcast episodes, right? Yeah. I try to keep my own podcast to less than 30 minutes. And sometimes I even wonder if that's too long. Yeah, but, um, I know. So it's, it's just meant to be that in, initial conversation starter in a book format. Books still have a lot of value for a lot of people. Book authors are still held in higher esteem than a non-book author. So it's a win-win-win for you know, everybody involved. I hope that clip got you guys thinking about how you might be able to leverage a short, helpful book for your own marketing purposes. I got to tell you, Mike has absolutely ruined me for normal books. Ever since I started picking up, I picked up his 100-page book to start with. And then I read, of course, The Rule of 26. And I read some more of Mike Caputzi's Shooks. And then I started looking at who are some of the other authors that he's helped publish Shooks for. And I started picking up those books and reading those. And I got to say, like, I don't even want to read a normal length book anymore because I just love the ability to grab a book and sit down and within an hour or two or one or two sittings, be able to read an entire book without leaving it in limbo. Because typically what happens for me, if and when I actually find the time to read a book, I'll read a little bit of it and then it might be a month or before I'm able to sit down and read again. And then I forget what I read and it's just, it just doesn't work well. So um, I love this concept of short, helpful books and I've got to tell I've actually been with several of my coaching clients. I've started pushing them towards this concept of uh, publishing a short, helpful book of their own that they would give away using a free book strategy. And I've got several clients that are actually in the process of doing that now. None of them have published yet. So I don't really have any um, hands on expectations for you guys. And I actually have a list of like four that I'm planning to do as well. Um, but I will keep you guys posted on how that shakes out. All right, guys, thanks for tuning in for another episode and for listening to these clips that I share with you from these past episodes today. Now, I want to give you guys a quick sneak peek of what's to come on the show. We've got some awesome guests with some awesome, awesome topics of conversation coming up that we've already recorded. They're in the pipeline. They're ready to go. They're just waiting to go out there and, uh, and see the real world and get into your earbuds or in your patrol car as you're driving around. And so let me tell you guys what's, what's coming up. So we've got the stories we tell become the realities we live with Luke Lehman. Luke is a former Air Force pilot, and I tell you, he is so well-spoken and incredibly inspirational. I can't wait for you to hear that episode. Then we've got How to Date Your Clients with Mark Young. And now, guys, don't get any weird ideas. That doesn't mean like actually like dating all of your clients. It means like it's, it's talking about the relationship process of prospecting and nurturing client relationships. Come on, guys. Okay, then after that, we have The Art of Preventing Stupid with Matthew Neal Davis. And we have then Becoming a Rockstar Communicator with Brendan Kumarasamy. Um, Brendan is awesome. This, this episode actually was very unexpected. I couldn't, like, it was so incredible. You're, gonna, you're definitely going to want to tune in for that one. And actually, Brendan is going to be doing a workshop for us inside the LEO to CEO community coming up. You're not going to want to miss that either. And then we have Finding Your Inner Fire with Heather Hansen O'Neill, shifting from the owner's seat to the investor's seat in your business with John Giancanovo. And then we have, last but not least, coming up, Adopting a Four-Day Workweek Without Fearing Failure with Rob Krikak. 
All right, guys, I hope you've been enjoying the show. And thanks again for helping us reach 10,000 listeners. Tell your friends, tell your partners, tell everybody. And of course, please go leave a review for the podcast, cpp.fm forward slash review. Hey, thanks for sticking around till the end of the show. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving a review at leotoceo.com forward slash podcast dash review or in your preferred podcast listening app. I would love to hear your feedback and it will also help other copreneurs like yourself find the show. Be sure to check out the show notes for this episode. Just go to leo2ceo.com, click on podcast and search this episode number, and you'll find all the links, descriptions, and resources we talked about. And if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe so you'll be notified when the next episode is live. Thanks again for tuning in, and I'll catch you guys on the next episode.